Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Each week we bring you in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in filmmaking. It's December 3rd, 2015. I'm Mike Lodemark, one of the show's producers. This week, we're featuring a conversation with Portuguese filmmaker Miguel Gomez, whose Arabian Nights trilogy opens here this month. The three-part epic combines elements of political film, fantasy, and documentary, and was filmed during the recent implementation of harsh austerity measures in Portugal. Centering on a storyteller named Scheherazade, the film draws on the structure of the classic Middle Eastern collection of folktales, 1001 Nights. Writing for Film Comment at the Cannes Film Festival, Dennis Lim said, It is hard to imagine a more generous or radical approach to these troubled times, one that honors its fantasy life as much as its hard realities. Beginning on Friday, December 4th, we'll be opening one volume of Arabian Nights per week over the next three weeks, with marathon screenings scheduled for December 19th and 20th. A discount package is available for purchasing tickets to multiple volumes. Head to our website, filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-A-N-C dot org for more information. The trilogy had its U.S. premiere at the 53rd New York Film Festival earlier this year. And during the festival, Miguel Gomez joined us for one of our free NYFF live talks, which are sponsored by HBO. So let's go now to his conversation with programmer Dan Sullivan. Hi there, this is Allison Goldberg from the Film Society's fundraising team. The holidays are almost here. If you got a film lover in your life, Film Society memberships and merchandise make perfect gifts. Memberships start at just $75 and offer discounted tickets, early access to select series and festivals, and complimentary offers year-round. For more information, visit filmlink.org membership. We've also got tons of great gift options on our online store like Film Society gift certificates, Film Comment magazine subscriptions, and t-shirts and tote bags for fans of Fassbender, Suzuki, John Waters, and more. Check out all the options at filmlink.org shop. Um, so uh, I suppose it makes sense uh, since you're here with Arabian Nights um, and perhaps uh, some people were able to see volumes one and two. Um, uh, could you talk a bit about um, the origins of uh, this exceedingly ambitious uh, multi-part uh, project, both maybe practically and aesthetically uh, speaking? You could talk a bit about that, please. Yes, I can. Um, though I'm uh, a little bit puzzled by the fact that you're here, while the film is playing, so it's a paradox. So let's talk about something that is happening right now. It's sold out. I have some tickets, I think, but the film started like uh, one hour ago, so. This film came f from two different things. Uh, for I think that when I was 12, I discovered at my uh, parents' house a book called Arabian Nights. And this book was amazing. I thought it was amazing. I never get to the end to the, of the book because it, it's a, a very big one. And I'm a, I'm a slow reader. But uh, I since that moment, I 
kept returning to that book. And what I thought amazing in that book is that it was like a, 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 you know, a labyrinth of uh, stories. And, uh, ooh, it's changing. Uh, and uh, what was amazing about that, that book, it, it was like endless possibilities of fiction. You know, in, in a story you have another story and inside that story you have stories coming and so it was uh, incredible, it, was, it gave me vertigos. And, um, and so I kept reading the book till this moment and one day I know I will finish the book but <laughs> I, I didn't uh, yet but I made the film in between which I'm really happy um, and it's not one film, it's three of them um, and so I've always wanted to make a film that uh, I would where I would work with the sensation of reading that book. That's what I'm bringing to the screen, is not the tales that uh, are appearing in that book, but it's the, the sensation I had while I was reading that book. And uh, f on the other hand, uh, in Portugal in the last few years, the, there was uh, a new reality. People got poor, much poor, and uh, things got much more wild because we are suffering from an economical crisis and a social crisis attached to that. And I thought that there were, at that moment, there were uh, stories really happening that had this kind of uh, very extreme uh, dimension, uh, very wild things, very absurd, very sad, very comical sometimes, that I could associate with the, uh, with the wild fiction I discovered in Arabian Nights. And so I said to myself, okay, let's do a film that it's a collection of tales where there is still this pleasure that brings us together into uh, make us enter a theater to see films to be amazed by what happens by what the characters do and at the same time let's do a portrait of the Portuguese society nowadays and so let's put Sherazade telling not the tales that are in the book, but let's invent tales, let's uh, uh, fabricate some fiction for Sherazade with uh, having as basis the, 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 the things that are really happening in, uh, in Portugal. It was like this. So, um, I. I guess most of your work is marked, I think, by this kind of interest in like a, a heterogeneous uh, structure. Uh, your films are often segmented. Um, this is true of uh, Taboo, which was in the New York Film Festival a few years ago. It's also true of maybe your, your sort of breakthrough film, Our Beloved Month of August. Um, 
and I think it finds its most radical expression to date in your work in Arabian Nights. Um, could you uh, talk a bit about what attracts you to this uh, sort of this idea of segmentation and uh, these multi-part uh, films? Yeah, because I think every one of us, are, of course, we are. Everyone is different from each other, and that's good. Uh, we are not robots. Uh, myself, I have this idea that uh, sometimes, sometimes people uh, say, "Oh." This film is not very good because it's too slow. Because the shots, they are too long. And for instance, me, I can understand that, uh, that people have this reaction. I don't care about that. I, for me, it's not, the speed in cinema is not about changing the shots. The, the speed in cinema, for me, it's about what's the range you travel and so for me it's important to have very different things very different elements in in the film and i think that the the speed in the film is how it's the range it's about the range you travel from place a to place b and so i try to have place a and place b and sometimes c and uh, D and this time I, I've overdone it and I think we have the whole alphabet there. And uh, and for me this is uh, important because as a viewer before I was a filmmaker I was a viewer of course it, this is how I think you start to have an interest to make films is. Uh, you start to love films watching them. Uh, at least it was like this for me. And for me as viewer, it's very important that the films can show me different things. Not just stay in the same place, but let me, because I know I'm sitting in a chair and everything is an illusion. But I think that I'm more rewarded as a viewer, if the film allows me to uh, to travel inside the world that the film is is uh, showing me, and so this is important to me that uh, you don't. Uh, it's like a piano; you have to play all the keys, and I, I want to hear all the keys the piano has, and I want to go from one to the other. And uh, in addition to uh, to mixing narratives, you um, in this film, as with Taboo, you uh, you mix uh, film stocks or gauges. Um, uh, so I was hoping maybe you could you could say a bit about the motivation behind uh, shooting on sixteen and thirty five. Uh, I think it's it's pretty interesting given the uh, the scope and the ambition of uh, of this project. Yeah, but because I, I'm I'm starting to get really not not really, but a little bit old. And so as I'm a little bit old, my uh, when I was uh, when I started to see films, every films were shot on film, and the screenings they had these wonderful things that myself I associate with cinema, which they were sometimes they were like going like this, you know? 
if you go to a cinematheque, there's there is still cinematheques here that show films in thirty-five. You we're, right? we're we're in one right now. Okay, yeah. uh, congratulations. <laughs> and uh, and of course the texture of of a, fi of a, a film shot on film is different that when it's shot in digital. And for me, when I'm, I was watching films, I believed that uh, cinema was not about showing everything. It was like, you know, shadows and light. Of course, in black and white, it's very visible. And, and so sometimes in, with digital, I have the, impress, the impression I'm looking through a window. Uh, like I'm in the car and I'm watching the world through a window. So I, I get this sensation, but I think it's because I'm a little bit old that I'm seeing too much. I'm seeing too much. Everything is too defined. Everything appears to be like in life. And cinema was never like uh, life, you know? You know The Wizard of Oz? The film, I love, really love that film. It's one of my favorite films. In this, films, in this film, you have two parts too. There's one in Kansas, and there's one in Oz. And so Kansas is life, and there, there is this girl called Dorothy, and she has a, a dog called Toto, and they, by accident, they go to us, and us is cinema, so it doesn't look like Kansas, a little bit because everything was shot in a studio in Los Angeles, but this is only a detail. Uh, when she goes to, to us, there is a new world that says, says something about our lives, but it doesn't look like our life. And for me, this is cinema. And this is also uh, your first time uh, shooting in scope. Uh, what motivated that? John Carpenter. And uh, now I thought, let's, what the hell? I'm going to do a film called Arabian Nights. So let's do it uh, in a proper way. So I use anamorphic lenses, the scope lenses, because I thought, well, it was the epic frame we are used uh, from Ben-Hur to everything uh, in this mythical scale. Uh, though I used a, a, a film which, it, which is 16 millimeter and six, 16 millimeter it's, it's like the poor version of in film. Uh, it's a, like a downgrade from 35. So it's more mess, it's a little more, it's less defined, more blurred, with more grain. And when you shoot with anamorphic lenses, it gets the double of uh, this. So it's the double uh, size of the grain it's two uh, times more, uh, uh, less definition. And so having this epic format, a frame, 
and uh, but using at the same time the poor film the poor film stock for me it was interesting because uh, yeah it was Sherazad telling stories about this poor country and so I thought it made sense uh, to me and there's also a kind of rel relentless play with genre I mean this, you know this Arabian Nights is comprised of three volumes but it contains uh, many many films in a way and uh, there's a there's a western there's a, a legal uh, tragic comedy of sorts uh, there are all these all these uh, different types of films um, I'm, I'm wondering how you approached uh, skip you know how you skipped around from uh, genre to genre it was not uh, I, I could recognize this uh, cinematographic uh, universe in these films but would never be our we didn't talk about that so for instance uh, I think that the first level when we are making a film when I am making a film with the crew is to try to understand what we have in front of the camera who will play what kind of places we, uh, we are going to shoot um, and try to uh, film that in a good way what is film that in a good way. I don't have any idea. It's very intuitive, but uh, we have the sensation that we have people engaged in front of us and we have to put them doing things that are appealing and they that they don't look uh, very silly doing these uh, things. And then you can recognize, you know, this guy walking into this landscape, he looks a little bit like John Wayne. But it doesn't appear in the beginning. It's not, let's do the Western. It's, it's us or me, we have the sensation that this is recognizable in the world of cinema. Then again, I have a very bad memory. It's true. So I mix every film. I've seen lots of them, but every, everything is a little bit mixed in my head. So that prevents me to make uh, a cinema that I, I'm not uh, much f fond of, which is like uh, doing quotes. Doing quotes in cinema it's like a game that uh, to 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 you know to make pleasure to the viewer saying have you recognized this this is this scene from this film so we are all clever and let cheers to that and i think that is a little bit uh, it go doesn't go too far it's it's uh, it's easy and uh, uh, thanks God, I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't have a very good memory. So sometimes I'm seeing a film and I say, Jesus, I, I, I've stole this from this film and I didn't have any idea of that. Uh, because every, so I just get this, I just have this general impression of films and uh, of how John, John Wayne walked when he was uh, 
going to next to his horse or something and uh, I can recognize that when I'm shooting because when we are shooting we are also like the first viewers of a film or of fragments of a film that doesn't exist and so for me to decide if the, the shot is done or if I have to make uh, another take it's really like a viewer watching a film and saying okay this is good let's move to another thing and sometimes it doesn't look good so it's a bad film so let's do another take um, one thing that I that I think is very interesting about Arabian Nights is its status as a kind of political film um, or at least that's uh, what much of what's been written about it has uh, has gotten at. Um, I, I, on the one hand, it's kind of a work of, uh, of journalism that you've transfigured into art, um, but I also think um, sort of the the scope of what you wanted to do with the film or what it seemed you wanted to do is itself kind of uh, political. Um, maybe you could you could talk a bit about. Uh, what it means to you to think about this film as a kind of political uh, work of art? Yeah, we can talk about political like in two in two different ways. One is uh, if you have a very clear idea of what how society should be organized, and you try to make a film to show that and to convince the viewer that uh, it's uh, it you 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 got it and you can uh, try to convince the others that this is the good system unfortunately i'm not that clever so i don't know what's the good path to the future or to the progress or something if i would know i would quit making films and I would apply myself to be the president of the Republic in Portugal. We could use uh, someone that could do that in a good way. But unfortunately, I'm not capable. So my only thing is make films. And I, I think that I try to make films about how people relate one to the others. And what's politics it's how people uh, try to organize themselves together to try to live in a fair way it should be like this um, and so the film yeah the film is uh, is dealing with this this arabian nights is dealing with this with the, how people can exist with the others in uh, like a community in uh, in a country uh, but it doesn't say this is the good way uh, so uh, there is a kind of films that we call militant films um, and I don't think my film is a militant film because I'm not uh, I'm not capable of knowing what's uh, what's good I, sometimes I have the the feeling about what is bad. For instance, in the last years in Portugal, I think that we have very, very bad um, measures, polit 
political measures and uh, I think this is bad. But what's the good way? I'm not capable to say. I can. What I can do is to show things with one idea that uh, we have to show what is happening and sometimes giving voice to people that uh, are living certain situations and, and normally they don't appear in the media uh, and we can, we can uh, invent a place for them in a film but we can also uh, put in the invent a space for uh, the things that come from our fantasies because I can I, I think that our fantasies have a, a, a very big connection a very important connection with how we live I mean our fantasies are not only like something that uh, appeared in a parallel world this parallel world came from our experience to live in a certain moment in a certain country and so I think they express something about how we feel things in, uh, in society. So um, naturally for my uh, final question before we take some uh, questions from the audience I wanted to transition from politics to pop music because um, you make some of the most striking use uh, of pop music uh, in your movies of uh, anyone working today, I think. Um, and in, you know, one of the defining or sort of uh, pivotal moments in Taboo is scored to a Portuguese uh, rendition of Be My Baby. And uh, there are a number of really uh, uh, Sorry to disappoint you, but it's not Portuguese. It's, it's not? No, it's, it's uh, you know, it's from Madagascar. It's... Uh, it's in it's singing Spanish, but it's a group, oh. uh, an African group in the in '66, I believe, called Le, with a French name called Les Surf, Les Surf, the Surfers, uh, and they were. It was a little bit like uh, the Jackson Five in '66 in Madagascar, and they were singing in Spanish. It's a strange world. <laughs> well, I'm sure the Portuguese version is good too. Um, but uh, could you talk about how you, um, how it occurs to you to incorporate a, a song into your films? It's always different. It's like uh, how come you you invent this character in this particular moment of the film? And songs are one of the elements we can use on the film. And I'm very attached to this idea of uh, pop popular culture and the songs are something that we share. We recognize the melodies and from very different countries we, we know these songs and, uh, and I think it's what interests me in having songs. It's always uh, different things but uh, um, I think the... the the main uh, thing is yeah, to have songs that can sometimes express feelings or uh, tell something about what is happening in the film in a very quick way. Uh, there is, for instance, one of my favorite genre, uh, genres uh, in, Amer in American cinema is musical comedies from the... Uh, I've already 
tell, told you about the Wizard of Oz, but uh, I really love uh, this uh, kind of uh, crazy thing, which is people nowadays are very strict with films saying, oh, this is nonsense, this could never really happen in reality. And when we are all seeing uh, a musical comedy, we accept this completely artificial and kind of uh, stupid thing in a good way that people start to sing in the middle, they are talking and then they start to sing and dance and this is beautiful. But, uh, and so sometimes with a song in a musical comedy, you can tell what's happening with the, in the story, with the, the feelings of the characters in three minutes in a completely artificial way you accept that because you know it's like this. It's 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 not reality. It's the dream of reality, which is cinema, and which is talking to us about reality and uh, our lives. So we can take some questions from the audience. Uh, my question is more regarding your characters. Um, how do you work? Uh, what, what inspires you to create amazing characters? Because all your, your movies, that's something that I can take out of your movies. And so my question is more like, what inspires you to create them? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's everything. I think it, it's uh, my life and what... Uh, I try to put uh, things on my films that I'm, I can be attached even if the characters are bad, if they are bad guys. Even bad guys, I don't think that they are, I don't achieve to put them as the devil because I, I don't believe in the devil. I'm sorry, uh, I have to excuse myself to, to the devil, but I don't believe in him. And uh, uh, so I think everything, it comes from my experience and uh, my experience is what I lived and as I said, I'm starting to be old, and uh, so I leave some things, and also, of course, the songs I've listened, and uh, and uh, the films I've seen, and the books I've read, and the uh, people I loved, and uh, it's everything. It's our life, and uh, and so you uh, and the idea that you have to put to 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 give birth to a person that does not exist, it's a character in the film, you have to, uh, in a way, like this character. And, uh, and then someone will play it. And so I think it's very important, I don't know, I think that, uh, I, I think Apishapong Verazatakul, which is a director I, uh, really like his work he said once that uh, he defined like a percentage of how, how I don't know it was like 50 but I'm not sure the percentage I'm not sure but uh, let's imagine it was like 50 50 50 for the character and 50 for the person that would play the character and that the uh, to shoot, to make uh, someone, a character, to appear in an interesting way for him was to have half 
of the people that was playing the character and half what he thought it, it would be the character. And so I, I don't know the percentage, but I think it's, uh, I, I believe that the, peop the, the person that will play the character will, will have to appear too. I don't believe that someone can transform itself and uh, I know there, there is some people that uh, have this idea that uh, you can gain like 50 kilos and, uh, and transform yourself and uh, I appreciate that effort myself but I think I'm, I'm much more into like for instance uh, actors like uh, Robert Mitchum Robert Mitchum, he was Robert Mitchum, uh, John Wayne, things like uh, people like this that uh, ask to the director, okay, this film is with horse or without horse? And uh, shall I go left to right or right to left? Because when they are doing it, uh, you can see themselves, the actors. And so it's not because they are not good actors, it's, it depends, it depends. Um, in this film, if there is, uh, uh, if you have seen, for instance, the second volume of the film, we have as protagonists of the, in, the in the second volume, we have uh, this guy that is not an actor, that plays Simon, uh, without bowels, which is uh, a non-actor, and he's like John Wayne. He walks in a way, uh, in the countryside, he walks in a, such an elegant way, I could never, uh, it's, it's, it comes from him. In the, and there are some people that, bef in front of the camera, they do exactly what they do if the camera dis dis was not there. I don't know why, but it's like this, and we have to profit from uh, that. And, uh, and so it's a non-actor that uh, does this part. And then you have this uh, second story with a judge, and this part is very written, and this actor that plays the judge, she's a very, very good uh, actress of theater, and she does an incredible job. Yeah, I could never ask the non-actor to do that, and I couldn't. But I couldn't also never uh, ask for the theater actress to walk that way in the in the countryside. And in the third uh, segment, the main character is a dog, and he obeys three orders. And the orders are stay go and put it in your mouth. This, the, the three orders he follows and he gives an excellent performance. So you can work with different people in different ways. It depends on what we are trying to have and what are the people or the animals <laughs> in this case that are, uh, you have with you. I think we have time for at least one more. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, you wrote an op-ed that was published in Portugal um, called Portuguese Cinema is in Danger. Um, can you talk about, about the effect of the economic crisis on, on cinema? Can you talk about how things 
are now and how the economics affected your own filmmaking? I'm, I'm a very lucky guy because I, for instance, in this film, I didn't depend on, uh, on uh, I, had, I think that the major, majority of our fi uh, fundings were not uh, Portuguese. So, and I can do that because I didn't start at this moment. I think that it's much more tough for people that are starting at in this moment in in Portugal, uh, because yeah, it's they uh, today it's much more difficult. There is uh, less money, so for you to understand what's happening, um, uh, normally in Portugal we do uh, every year like eight feature films, so there is. Uh, only the possibility for eight film directors to make eight films, and I think, uh, uh, and I think that uh, it's quite remarkable that uh, uh, because this year it's not so different. I'm going to that part, but this year it's not so different from before, and I can explain why. But normally we don't do much more than ten films. Uh, from like in decades and I think it's quite remarkable that without I mean we, it's not uh, so many films no let's face it and and uh, and some of them are visible I mean they are not making uh, uh, much money in the box office like myself but uh, um, but they are shown to around the planet and uh, and so uh, I think this is quite amazing, and I, I'm proud myself to be uh, someone that film inside this system that allows film directors to do personal films, which of course it's much more difficult in systems where you have uh, more money. When you have more money, you have to mm, try to make a little bit <laughs> money in the box office too. And uh, as Portugal has, has a very little market, so there is almost no possibility of really making money. Of course, there are exceptions, but they are very not they are not usual, and uh, and of course there are exceptions, but. Uh, and so, normally, no one expects a Portuguese film to make money, and so they say, "What the hell? Let them, let them do whatever they want." This can give, of course, very stupid films, because liberty is not, uh, not does not assure you to have a good film. But if there are some people that uh, have some skills or can uh, do uh, uh, have something to, 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 to show and to tell, of course they can gain something with freedom. And uh, even if this freedom comes from the fact that uh, it's like a collateral effect, a good one, uh, a good collateral effect about not having money. We don't have money, it's not 
possible to make money in the box office so at least they can do uh, very personal films and when it's good it's it can be good in a very unique way because you did whatever you want to do and there was no one saying you have to shoot uh, this very famous actress or or my daughter or or my cousin or uh, this you have to shoot someone in red because red uh, in the statistics uh, we have uh, understood that red is really selling well so let's make a red film uh, and we don't uh, have this but the, the relationship uh, between the crisis and uh, in general and cinema is not so uh, direct because we have a lot of cinema the, and so the money for uh, the fundings in Portugal for supporting uh, the production of films comes not from the general budget of Portugal. It comes from, I don't want to get very technical, but it's, it's uh, money that comes from TV channels, uh, um, you know, cable operators, uh, phones company that uh, benefit from audiovisual uh, transmitting and so they are giving money they are obliged to give money to the portuguese institute of cinema and we still have that in Euro in europe in uh, almost every country in europe we have uh, these institutes of cinema that provide that uh, raise money to give for production because uh, there are films that cannot exist only with the market with the rules of the market unfortunately i think that's all we have time for but uh come back in december see all three volumes of arabian nights and miguel thank you thank you very much The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>